So uh, welcome, everyone. Welcome this morning. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to see you all. Uh, some of you I haven't met. Well, I've met you over email, so we'll talk, we'll talk after. Um, so yeah, so uh, Genesis chapter 10. Um, so, uh, you, you may or may not have heard this. It's called the Table of Nations. Um, is, is like maybe the academic term for it. And if you're looking at an NIV, uh, th that's actually the heading that they put in front of it. So if you're doing your uh, scholarly academic reading at some point and you hear referenced the Table of Nations, that's what we're referring to right here is uh, Genesis chapter 10, um, which is the descendants of Noah. So, in the beginning, we're going to do a little bit of review. In the beginning, God created the world and everything in it. He created life, plants, animals, and mankind. And God's creation was good. It was very good. But because Adam and Eve disobeyed God, sin entered the world. Now, mankind prospered and grew in number, and the world was filled with people. But because of sin... The world was also filled with wickedness and evil. And in fact, there was only one man in all the world that was found to be righteous. So when God destroys the world through the flood, he chooses to save this one man and his family. And these are the only people that come through this process of recreation. So last week when Parik, Parik spoke to us, um, and, and what we saw was that even though the wicked in the world were destroyed, and even though Noah, the man chosen to survive because he's righteous and he walks with God, sin is still in the world, and its sin is still a problem. So now in the passage that we're going to look at today, we see that the world is once again full with people. Now, next week, we're going to look at God's response to a world plagued by sin. And we're going to see that there's more to the story than just what we're looking at in chapter 10 today. And there's going to be some pieces, if you're paying attention, there's going to be some pieces in chapter 10 that we're not going to talk about because I think uh, they fit a little bit better uh, with what happens next week in chapter 11. Um, so if you want to hear about those things, you'll have to come back next week. But today, we're going to look at this list of names and see what is going on in this part of the story, in Genesis 10, and how this fits into God revealing himself through the story of Scripture. So, we're not going to reread the whole text, but we are going to look at verse 1. And this verse 1 serves as an introduction, or maybe a title, or a heading to chapter 10. These are the generations of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. And so when it says these are the generations, what that means is they're looking at a family tree or a genealogy of Noah and his sons. So being that this is a family tree, if you were to uh, follow through or maybe chart out all these names, you, you would see that you're able to trace three or four, and in some cases even five generations of Noah's descendants in this, in this table here, or in, in this list of names. Um, and some of the names on the list are individuals, but many of the names that we read in this list are tribes or people groups. And also, this isn't just 
if you're listening, this isn't just a list of names of descendants. We also get some geographical information about where these peoples were settled, where they lived. So between here, what's in Genesis 10, and what is known from other historical documents, and what we know from archaeology, we actually know where many of these peoples settled. So we're going to look at a map. If you, if you like maps, this is going to be great for you. If you don't like maps, uh, I apologize. Um, I like maps. So oh, let me grab my paper here. So here we go. And if you need a little bit of uh, help getting oriented, uh, Israel is here. Turkey is here. Mo modern day, Turkey is here. Israel, Egypt, uh, Iran. Um, and, and this isn't, if you count, if you go and you count, uh, in the Table of Nations, there's 70 names listed. Now, if you look up here, you, there's clearly not 70 names. Um, and, and if I put a map up there that had all 70 names on it, it would be cluttered, and you wouldn't be able to read it from where you're sitting. So this is fine. If you want to see a cluttered map, you can see me afterwards, and I'll show you something on my iPad. Um, so let's look, let's look, though, at this map uh, and see, uh, see what it is that we're talking about. OK, so in. Um, in verse 2, we, see, we read about the sons of Jepheth, who are Gomer, Magog, Madai, uh, Javan, Tubal, Meshech, and Tiris. And so we, we'll see up here, these are the sons of Japheth. And so from, again, from what is uh, here in the text and what we know from other uh, documents and archaeology, we know that this is the area up here in uh, what at the time Asia Minor, uh, modern-day Turkey, uh, all the way over here um, uh, on, uh, oh, geez, Iraq and Iran. Uh, all the way over here into Iraq and Iran um, is where they settled. There go my papers. Uh, if we look down then at, uh, uh, oh, yeah, see, and, and, uh, and these are the coastland peoples. So this says in verse 5, it says these uh, are the coastland peoples, uh, from these the coastland peoples spread in their lands. And so what's not on the map, which would be like way, way over here off the map, uh, there's also um, uh, Greece and Italy, where some of these people went, and, so, and, and, and some of these people uh, from Japheth's uh, family may have even gone as far as Spain. Um, <coughs> I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how confident we are on that, but that's what we say. In verse 6, we see some of Ham's descendants, and Ham's right down here in Egypt, um, Israel up here again in modern-day Turkey. And, okay, so Ham's descendants are Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. And then Canaan, because Canaan got a special call-out last week, uh, we'll, we'll look at Canaan too, and, and I think Canaan's important, and if you, you'll, you'll recognize some of these names um, if you think about maybe uh, Joshua and, and the conquest of the Promised Land. Uh, so Canaan, and, and, and uh, where Canaan settles is right here, and this is, this is, this is the promised land right here, and this is, this is where they settle. So they're in the way when Joshua comes in uh, with the Israelites. And so we hear that Canaan fathered Sidon and Heth and the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arvidites, the Zemorites, and the Hamathites. And then... We have Cain, uh, excuse me, Shem, in verses 21 and uh, excuse me, 22. The sons of Shem were Elam, 
Asher, Arpexid, Lud, and Aram, and you can see where they are there on the map. Also worth noting, uh, the, the, in verse 21, to Shem also the father of all the children of Eber, and, and Eber gets a special call out here because this is where the, 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 the word Hebrew comes from. And so it was from Eber, and, and we'll see more about this next week, but from Hebrew uh, comes the line of Abraham and the Hebrews. So uh, some of these names would be of particular interest to a Jewish audience because they might remember the stories about Joshua and the conquest of the Promised Land, or the stories, um, the stories about Saul and David and the kings fighting, you know, the Philistines and some of their the some of their neighbors. So after each of these lists of uh, Noah's, uh, the, the list from Noah, of each of Noah's sons, there's a similar sort of statement. So we and we can see these statements in verses five. 20 and 31. And so from each of these, each of the sons uh, of Japheth, Ham, and Shem, uh, by their languages, by their clans, and by their nations. This is, this is the area that they settled in. And then when we get to the end of chapter 10, we started with a, like a title or an opening statement. When we get to the end of chapter 10, we have a summary or a closing statement. These are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations. And from these nations, and from these, the nations spread on the earth after the flood. So, there's a couple observations that we can make here uh, in chapter 10. The first observation is that we're reading about the fulfillment of the blessing God gives to Noah after he leaves the ark. So, back in Genesis 9, 1, uh, we read that God blessed Noah and, and his sons, and he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. And again, in verse 7 of chapter 9, it's repeated, and God says, you will be fruitful, multiply, increase greatly on the earth, and multiply in it. Now, we're going to see in a minute how fruitful multiplication fits into God's plan, but for now it's sufficient just to observe that this has been done. The nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Now, the second observation is maybe a little bit obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. All these people, the clans, the languages, and the nations, they all come from one man. Obvious, but there's some things about this that we need to consider, and we need to try to understand how this fits in to the whole story of Scripture. So, if you tuned out when we were reading the passage, or if you tuned out when we were looking uh, at the map, tune in just for a second, because if you miss this, um, you'll be maybe a little confused about where we're going. So, we have to go all the way back to the beginning, where creation starts in Genesis, and then we need to look at the end to see where creation is headed in Revelation. Genesis is at the beginning, Revelation is at the end. And this is going to help us to understand what's going on here in Genesis 10. So, all of humanity comes from one man, Noah. And in turn, that means we all come from Adam and Eve, right? And in turn, that means 
we are all created in the likeness or in the image of God. In Genesis 5.1, it says, when God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. And even further back in Genesis uh, 1, 26 and 27, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. So we are all, all of humanity, we are all created in God's image. This means we all have the character of God. And this means that we are all meant to be God's representatives ruling here on earth. And I believe that what God intended to happen when he gave the blessing, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, what I believe he intended is he intended for humanity to thrive and to grow and to expand outward from the Garden of Eden, filling the entire world, filling the whole earth with people that know God, that love God, that walk with God, and that worship God. That was the original plan. And the reason I think we can say this is because when we look to Revelation at the very end, this is what we see happening at the end of time. So, let's go all the way to the end of Revelation, to Revelation 21 and 22. So, we're after the tribulation, after the second coming, after the destruction of Babylon, and we're after the thousand years, we're after the defeat of Satan, we're after the, the, the judgment before the great white throne. And what we see is the new heaven and the new earth. And we see the new city, Jerusalem, coming down out of the sky. And what we're seeing and what is being described here is God's perfect reign. What we're seeing is everything that is wrong in the world being made right. Everything is being put back to the way that it was supposed to be from the very beginning. So that means that if we look at what we have at the end, we can see what it was meant to be in the beginning. All right? And one of the things that we see happening is that the new heaven and the new earth is filled with people from all nations worshiping God, people who love God, who know Him, and who walk with Him. In, uh, in Revelation 5-7, John, John records... Uh, this is being said of Jesus uh, in, in, in John's vision, uh, that, that Jesus, he, he is the lamb that was worthy to open the scroll because he was slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe, nation, people, and nation. And then also in his vision in chapter 7, and if you are familiar with chapter 7, you might say, oh, you're taking this a little bit out of context because this is about the martyrs. Um, it's like, that's okay because I, I think, I think the, the, the image that we get in chapter 7 is a, is a wonderful, beautiful image. And, and John says, and after this I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out, with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So we have this vision in Revelation at the end of time of people from all nations and tribes worshiping God, loving God, walking with God, knowing God. And 
we need to define some terms here because nations, nations doesn't mean a political body. Now, we, we might use it that way sometimes, and sometimes it does, that, it does mean that, but in this case, what we're talking about, uh, nations doesn't mean like the Republic of Ireland or the United States of America. Nations means people, people groups, ethnic groups. So keep this in mind that God desires a people of his own, not drawn from every political nation on the earth, but drawn from all all people groups, every ethnicity in the world. He, he desires to have this people drawn from all peoples of the world to know him, love him, walk with him, and worship him. So let's keep this in mind. This is God's desire, and this is God's plan from the beginning to have one people expanding out of Eden to fill the earth with people that know him and love him. So let's, let's keep this in mind <clears throat> and look again and think about again Genesis 10. So these are the sons of Japheth and Ham and Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands, and nations. And in verse 32, and from these the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. So these nations mentioned in Genesis 10, they are you and they are me. They're all of us in this room. And I love uh, hopefully I can find my place again because I'm going to get off track here for a second. But I love, uh, one of the things I love about this church is that we're so diverse. Um, uh, where we come from in southwest Denver, in Colorado, it is not diverse at all, not even a little bit. Um, and, I, and I love coming here and seeing people from so many different countries. Um, and, you know, we, we, we talk different, uh, we look different, we eat different food. Uh, and, and yet we're all united um, as as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I absolutely love that. So if you look around this room, you see a picture of the nations from Genesis 10. Um, and, th and then we can go outside of this room because the nations are your neighbors and your coworkers and the person that makes your coffee, your teachers, your friends, your family. All around Galway, look at the people that we see and we see that the nations, the peoples of the world are right here in our own city. So, looking a little bit ahead from Genesis 10, we'll see when we get to Abraham that God continues his rescue plan. He continues his plan to rescue humanity from sin, humanity from sin, and out of all the nations, all the nations here in Genesis 10, he chooses one man, one family, Abraham and the descendants of Abraham, he chooses one family to bless all the nations. Israel comes from Abraham. Jesus comes from Israel. And for us here in this room, if we have placed our faith in Christ, we are Abraham's spiritual children. We are his spiritual descendants. We are spiritual descendants of Abraham because we've placed our faith in Jesus who saves us from our sin, who makes us right with God so that we can know him, love him, walk with him, and worship him. If we've placed our faith in Christ, we are a part of this family, of this people of God, and we're a part of God's rescue plan.
All right. So we're going to try to put some of these pieces together. So God's plan from the beginning of Genesis is for humanity to thrive and grow and expand outward from the Garden of Eden, to fill the whole earth with people that know God and love God. And the outward expansion, it's happened, right? The earth is full of people, but the earth is not full of people who walk with God. So the physical expansion has happened, but the spiritual expansion of this people of God, this is ongoing. So, I said that, uh, that we have a part to play in this, right? So Jesus says in Matthew 5, uh, 14, he says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, Again, as believers, we have a part to play in this spiritual expansion of the people of God. We are the light of the world, and God uses us humans to reach out to other humans to bring spiritual light into the spiritual darkness of their worlds. The people around us, our classmates, our teachers, our coworkers, our friends, our family that don't know God, that haven't placed their faith in Jesus and the mercy and forgiveness that He offers these people are living in darkness. They're blind. And we are meant to be the light. Now, this isn't just, this isn't just in Galway, right? Uh, that there's people living in darkness. There are people living in darkness all over the world. People living in spiritual darkness in all, all over the world, in all peoples, nations, and again, meaning all people groups all over the world. And in some of these places, there isn't light. There's no light in these dark places. See, Paul, Paul talks about this in Romans 10. In verse 13, he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. But next, he says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they're sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So everyone who places their faith in Jesus becomes a part of this people of God, who know Him, who love Him, who walk with Him, who worship Him. But as Paul says here, how can they be saved if they've never heard of Jesus? Somebody has to tell them, right? And in order to tell them, this person, this preacher, has to be sent. And this is, this is missions. And this is how Christians, us, members of this people of God, this is how we reach out to the unbelieving world in, a, in order to expand the people of God. We reach out to the nations, which we see here in the very beginnings in Genesis 10. These are the same nations that we're reaching out to today. So local churches, communities of believers which our communities of believers send out from among their own workers to share the good news of Jesus with the peoples and the nations that do not know him. So, how do we do this? Or maybe you're thinking, how can I do this? Well, if you're a person that likes actionable items 
you're going to love this part. So we've got three things that you can do to be a part of this rescue plan, to be a part of this mission from God. I'm on a mission from God. Uh, part of this mission uh, to, to rescue humanity. So we're going to talk about praying, we're going to talk about giving, and we're going to talk about going. So that's, those are your three, your, your three action items. Pray, give, and go. So, what do we pray for? Well, certainly, uh, you know, we all, we, uh, or at least I'm going to assume we all know how to pray. Um, you know, we're, we're talking to God, and we're asking Him to, uh, to make Himself known. But there are specific, specific ways that we can pray um, that, that can be helpful when we're talking about mission. Um, one of the ways... Jesus tells us himself in Matthew 9, uh, 37 and 38, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So you can pray and you can ask God to raise up uh, leaders or preachers or missionaries to go out into the world and into the dark places of the world where there is no light. Uh, to share the gospel. You can also pray for uh, specific missionaries. Um, many of you know that uh, myself and Denise, we are missionaries. That, that's how we're here in Ireland. Uh, we're, not, uh, we're not employed by the church uh, directly, but we, we work with the church. Um, but we're, we, we were sent from our home church um, in, in Denver, Colorado, or Littleton, Colorado, uh, to be here. And uh, there, there's one, th well, there's two things. There's two things that missionaries need. Uh, one of them, and the most important one, is prayer. And so, uh, so, so, so what you can do to support this global mission is you can pray for missionaries, all right? And if you don't know a missionary, let me introduce you to this little booklet right here. So all the way back there on the table in the back corner, we have some of these, and the date is wrong because uh, this, was, this was something, you know, this was like a prayer initiative for like last week, but, you know, we can, we can use the booklet because what's really nice, so, so we're Galway City Baptist Church, right? And we're part of the uh, Irish Baptist Association, which means we are also associated with Irish Baptist missions. And that is what this is from. That's what this little book is from. And here, if you open it to the middle, uh, we have uh, pictures of all the families that are missionaries with Irish Baptist missions. So if you would like to find a missionary to support, to pray for, go grab this book. And I'm gonna put some websites up here too um, that, that are also good resources. So this is, this is one place, this is one thing you can go uh, and find somebody to pray for. The other, an another place you can go, um, some of you know, if you've been here long enough, you might know um, Nathan and Jenna Dancy. And they are uh, workers from this church that this church, we sent out to work with uh, BCM Ireland, and they run, they help run the, the Castle Daily Matter where we have our weekend away, uh, and many of us go for summer camps and such. Um, they, they, they work there, and they are supported by faith. You know, faith, faith, you know, people pray for them, and people give them, you know, donate money. Uh, the, ch the church here, we give them money every month to, to support them. Um, but I bet, I bet you they would love to hear from you. 
and to hear that you're praying for them. So you, could pray, you can pray for them. You can, you can email uh, Nathan and Jenna, and you can ask them uh, what, what it is that they need prayer for uh, right now, and you can support them in that way. Another way, another way that we can pray is we can pray for people groups. Um, and so, uh, oh, maybe the slide's not going to work. No, there it is. Okay, so uh, if, if we run out of these, uh, we can all, you can go to Irish, irishbaptistmissions.org and you can find information there uh, on, on different missionary families. Um, we can go to BCM Ireland and find a way to contact uh, Nathan and Jenna. And then uh, here uh, is uh, joshuaproject.net. You can go there and you can find uh, information on every people group in the entire world. And you can find out how many uh, you know, where are they located geographically, how many Christians uh, or not, you know, what percentage of Christians are, are part of this uh, people group. Um, and the other thing that they have there uh, if, it, is, is if, uh, I'd like to have a Bible reading plan, right? Uh, so that I can, you know, help, help me keep on track for reading the Bible in a year. Uh, so I do that. So you can, you can find something very similar, like a, it's like a prayer plan. Uh, and they have all kinds of praying plans at Joshua Project that will give you uh, guided prayers and uh, different people groups or different aspects of mission uh, that you can pray for. Uh, and, 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 and I mean, you can have a, a prayer plan that lasts the whole year if you want. The second way is to give. And by give, I mean money. So there's two things that every missionary needs that are absolutely essential, non-negotiable. One of them is prayer, and the other one is money. And money is not the most important one. It's the, I don't even know if it's the second most important one, but it is required uh, because you have to buy stuff, you have to buy food, you have to have a place to live. Um, and so you can give to a missionary. And I, and I want to be very clear here. I just said I am a missionary. Denise is a missionary. We have other missionary families here uh, in the church that have come here. We're not asking for you to give us money, okay? Um, please don't do that. That's not, that's not what we're up here talking about. I just want to, you know, get that out in the open. But if you go and you grab this book and you start looking here in families, I guarantee you each of these families, okay, I almost guarantee you each of these families has some sort of financial need. I almost guarantee you that Nathan and Jenna Dancy have some kind of financial need that you might be able to help. You might be able to help meet. Now, I said we're talking about praying, giving, and going. And, and so, like, praying kind of is like the, the umbrella category, and then giving and going are, are underneath that. So, as you're praying for a family, or for a people group, God might move in your heart to give to, uh, to, 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 to someone that you've never even met uh, that's working with a people group that uh, God has broken your heart for, or, uh, or one of these families that you're praying for that you find in the brochure. And there are other mission organizations, too. We're not, you know, these aren't the only two, two organizations that, that we're saying you can go to. Um, but giving, sacrificial giving... Uh, beyond our tithe that we give to the church um, is, is, what we talk, is what we're talking about uh, when we're talking about giving, giving to missions. Um, and, and, and the last one is going. And going, uh, 
sometimes we, we, we usually think about that like physically getting up and going somewhere. You know, Jesus, uh, Jesus gives you know, the, the, the Great Commission at the end of Matthew in chapter 28. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, right? Um, so Denise and I were from Colorado, and God told us to go. So here we are, uh, we, here we are in Ireland. And so for you, what that might look like is it might look like you go, you, pe- you pack up and you move, and you go to a different country that God has called you to, that He's revealed to you in your times of prayer, right? Um, it could mean that you go on a short-term missions trip. Uh, many people in this room have been on short-term trips before. Uh, Denise and I got our start on, on a short, that's how we met. We were on a short-term trip uh, in Mexico, um, and that's how, that's how we met. Um, and uh, and 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 now now we are long-term uh, overseas missionaries. Um, but the, the the thing about going, the thing about going is that not everybody can go. Right? Everybody is called to pray. Lots of people are called to give, but not everybody is called to go. And as an, I want to give you just like a little example of what that's like. So Denise and I, we are two people. And we have around 120 individuals that give us money each month or regularly in order to be here. Because not everybody can go. Because if everybody went, then there'd be nobody to give. Uh, and not everybody is, is suited or, or able to go. Um, so sometimes your form of going is giving because you can't go yourself. And so you're like, uh, you're like the support infrastructure behind the person in the field or, or out in the world uh, d- doing the work, but it doesn't mean that you're any less a part of it because you're sending your money out to do the work and you're praying for the person that you're sending the money to. Uh, I did want to share a little bit uh, of my own story because I thought that might be illustrative. Um, so, so Denise and I, like I said, you know, we're from, we're from Littleton, suburban Denver, Colorado, and we were well established in our careers. Um, Denise worked at a bank for a long time, and then she worked at our church. And I was probably 10 or 12 years into my career uh, in aircraft maintenance. And, and we were involved in our church, right? We were, we were involved in ministries, and we were plugged in to student ministries and helping out there. Um, and everything, everything was settled. We had a house, we had a dog, we had two cats. And then, and so, yeah, everything, everything's good. We're giving, we're giving to missionaries because we're not going. And then uh, around late 2013, early 2014, uh, we received the challenge. Hey, you know, you guys say you're willing to go, if you were called. You guys, uh, you guys are able to go. You don't have anything holding you back. So might God be calling you to, to the mission field? And so we made the fateful decision to pray about it. And we asked God, we said, God, is this how you'd like us to serve you in the future? Do you want us to serve you in a foreign country instead of in Littleton? And if so, would you tell us where you'd like us to go? And we prayed about that for a while. And we even narrowed it down to a certain part of the world. We thought, you know, somewhere in Central America, South America, we were thinking Ecuador, specifically, and then God answered, and he said, Ireland, and he started placing Ireland on our hearts, and we said, 
That is crazy. Nobody goes to Europe for missions. But that's not true, it turns out. And, and, and so we continued to pray about it, and we said, God, if you, if you open a door, we'll walk through it. If you open another door, we'll walk through that one door. We'll keep walking through doors until you start shutting doors. And so now, here we are. So how might God be asking you to participate in this mission? In this mission to spread the people of God, the spiritual family across the world? How might, how might He be asking is he asking you to pray? Well, I can answer that for you and say, yes, God's asking you to pray. Is he asking you to give? Well, that's between you and him. I can't tell, I can't tell you the answer to that. Is he asking you to go? Again, you'll have to talk to God about that and see, um, and see what he says. Um, so, just as we close, uh, we'll look. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll look at the Great Commission and see what Jesus has to say to his his followers. So Jesus is his. Uh, he's come back from the dead. He's alive, and uh, and he he's, he meets Mary in the garden, and he tells her, "Hey, uh, I'm going up to Galilee." So. Find the disciples and tell them to meet me up there, because they're down they're down in, near Jerusalem. And so he says to meet me at the mountain in Galilee, where where all these things happened, which is probably the Transfiguration, uh, maybe the Sermon on the Mount. So now the eleven disciples they went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them, and when they saw him they worshipped worshipped him, but some doubted, and Jesus came and said to them. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am going with you always to the end of the age. And this is God's command to us as well, to reach out to these nations around the world, these nations that we see beginning in Genesis 10. So... Pray, ask God how he might use you in this mission. All right. Lord, uh, we do ask you to teach us, uh, to show us how you would have us serve you uh, in this way. We thank you. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for Jesus, that we're able to be reconciled to you, that we're able to know you. Um, Lord, teach us, teach us to love you more. Teach us to walk with you. Uh, teach us to worship you. And there is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Amen.